I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Welcome to the LCJ Q&A podcast. If you know me well, you know I love animated specials, especially around the holidays. This is a real twist, and this is a real joy for me to talk with Jonathan Stern today, the writer and director of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You Now? Brand new primetime special premiering this Friday, October 29th at 8 p.m. on The CW. Jonathan, it is so great to meet you. You know... I got to say, despite what everyone told me about you, it's great to meet you as well. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I've never met you. I've never heard. There's been nothing is exchanged except some very pleasant scheduling emails. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Everybody at the CW has been great. I've got a pal with me here as well. Scooby-dooby-doo. Here to That's say a nice hi. one. Oh, yeah. What, uh, for you at home, what you don't see is he's holding up a really sweet stuffed Scooby-Doo doll. Yes. Um, one of the good ones. Yeah, this was actually from uh, the Scoob movie that came out last year. Warner Brothers sent this. I got to talk to uh, Tony Cervoni uh, for that. He was here on the LCJ Q&A when Scoob came out. Uh, there's been Tony so much. also makes a big appearance in this special. He does. We will get into him and a few other big names here in, in a little bit. This is such a cool special. I had the chance to watch this the other night. It's so bold. It's so unique. First of all, what was the inspiration behind doing a Scooby-Doo reunion retrospective combo special? Ah, well, thanks for the kind words. Um, the initial idea behind doing the special was simply everyone wanted to do something to honor and look back at and look forward at Scooby-Doo. That was it. And so what, what format do you put that in? And right about the time we were having these conversations, a friend's special was finishing up and then came out. So, I mean, long story short, I just ripped off the Friends special, uh, <laughs> the Friends reunion special. But there's been other reunions out there, too, that have been, there's a little bit of a, a reunion movement going on right now. And I know there's, there's more coming out. So it just seemed like a format. Now, the joke being, of course, these are not actual living human being characters that would have a reunion. So that's what that's where the twist is. Um, I'm not giving away anything. You find right. that out in the first couple of moments. But that did open up the question to, well, what would the person playing Velma be like? What would the person playing Fred actually be like? And then we get a little meta here where it's not a completely different character. It's not an actor. Right. It's just someone who looks and sounds and is exactly like Velma and has Velma's name also got cast as Velma. I guess if you really wanted to parse it, in 1969, fictionally, Hanna-Barbera and Ruby and Spears said, hey, let's make a show about ghost hunters. And then they found five real people and just built a show around them that isn't quite a reality show, uh, but is scripted. So that's if you really want to get into it. Right, right. Yeah, everybody loves nostalgia. That's why I think, especially during the pandemic, when some of these reunions started up, I think people wanted to sink themselves into that feeling. Now, you mentioned the Friends special. That aired fairly recently and came out fairly recently. So how long ago was the production, did the production begin on the animation work itself on the characters? Because obviously that takes time. Yeah, so from a technical level, this was an interesting puzzle because things weren't do being done linearly. There's everything had to happen kind of simultaneously. 
the first draft of the script that I did was right before the Friends special came out. Mm-hmm. Then the Friends special came out, and I saw so many things to rip off from that or make fun of. So the script, as soon as the script was done, immediately we started doing uh, storyboards and voice record also almost on top of that while we were still doing storyboards. And then the animation, then we did what's called a radio edit where to the, uh, you create a little animatic from the storyboards and you put the voice on, on top of it and you edit the voice dialogue. And then that becomes kind of like a film strip. If anyone still remembers what those are (laughs) or a slideshow. Uh, And that's what got sent to the animators to start animating to really in earnest, knowing that we still were editing. We had to lock picture on the animated material pretty quickly Mm. while we still hadn't even finished shooting all the live action material. So that's how things happen on that tight of schedule. But, uh, you know, I make it sound like that's so impossible. I think that's probably a lot of things work on schedules like that and everyone who was working on it knew exactly what to do and just had faith that it would all come together and match together and they were right yeah uh, yeah it's a Warner great Brothers animation obviously uh they've done this kind of thing before sure sure it's a great accomplishment and there are so many layers to this special i don't want to give everything away because i want people to enjoy it but i really want to ask you about a few key elements to this one is that you give us some comedy in a sort of mockumentary style, which I really like. How did that idea hit you? Well, I mean, that's always, I'd, I'd like to say it's the first time I've done that, but I've done that. This is an area that I've worked in a lot and just always love doing it. Mm. Um, it's a show that uh, produced and, and wrote on called Children's Hospital. Mm. And every season we would do, I would write, one behind the scenes episode where it was kind of a 60 minutes profile of what was happening behind the scenes in the making of children's hospital. And I just enjoyed doing that so much. And the episodes were uh, really refreshing break from uh, whatever you were used to seeing. So we didn't end up doing that every season. Then we ended up spinning that off into its own actual TV series. These were all on adult swim Mm -hmm which is also, even though this is a live action show, generally a animated network. Right. Um, and then uh, there's a bunch of other shows I've produced that have been in the, well, more or less mockumentary format, more in the reality w- world. There's something called Burning Love, which was based on The Bachelor. Um, and that was on uh, Yahoo and Hulu. And then uh, uh, Hot Wives of Orlando, which is still on Hulu, which was a Real Housewives thing. Mm. So what I like about this format, too, is you, you're not just making fun. You're finding jokes in all of the characters and the stories and, and the places that you should find jokes. But then there's another level where you're, you're able to find jokes in the format or, or really the artifice of the format. So some of the fun about watching these reunion specials, the first thing I I wanted to, uh, uh, it didn't make it in the final cut of this, but the, the friends reunion, if you watch that, the very first scene is they all arrive 
at the sound stage where the friend set has been rebuilt and reconstructed. And they all show up one by one and they start looking around as if they really, this is really capturing them walking onto set for the first time in however many, 15 years. Yeah. And then they run into each other. One of them, and it's like, oh, oh my God, uh, I haven't see, seen you in so long. It's so great right. to see you. And that may be true. Maybe that was all authentic. But equally possible is that was like the sixth take and they're all pretending and they all were hanging out in the green room beforehand and this is all acting. So that artifice of these reunion specials, even if Friends was on the level, is um, that's part of the fun, too. Right. Sure. Sure. There are also legitimate interviews with a lot of influential people in the Scooby-Doo world. We mentioned Tony Cervoni, director of Scoob. He's in this. My boss at Animation Scoob, Jerry Beck, is in this. He had a great time talking with you. What did you enjoy the most about speaking with Tony and Jerry and then several of the other people you have in this? Yeah, there were, I think, five people that really were animation history and, and execution production experts that have a lot of screen time and a lot of other people who have brief um, interviews. And I mean, for me, I've always had a certain familiarity with animation, but there's a lot about the making of it that I don't know and I'll never know because I'm not personally an animator. And I guess the, what I took away was just how much we don't realize is happening before our eyes that we are fooled we take for granted in bringing the the way these characters come to life hannah barbera was always working at this tight budget uh so scooby-doo whatever it was a tv show you up till the mid-60s hannah barbera or an all animated work was was generally a movie uh maybe there are some commercials uh, but being able to do it for television, and it wasn't Saturday morning television, it was primetime television, like with the Flintstones, meant being able to do it at a lower budget and a high capacity. So they had all of these tricks to cut corners and, and make it executable, but they're invisible to a lot of people. But at the same time, we kind of love them. You know, a, a common joke is how the backgrounds recycle. You watch the Flintstones and, you know, Dino's chasing Fred uh, in his house and it's the same background going (laughs) over and over. You see this in Scooby-Doo. I mean, I do a live action joke version of it in the Scooby-Doo special, which maybe you can find. I did. I did see that. Yes. There's a, there's a walking by moment. I was going to ask you about being on the Warner brothers lot and filming this, which must've been so cool. And yes, you do do a nod to that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some of it, you're like, oh, they're just cheaping out. But there's a lot of stuff that you don't really appreciate until you, some experts like the people you're talking about start explaining it to you. David Silverman, who's the main director of The, the Simpsons and an yeah. executive producer, was explaining not just for The Simpsons, but for Scooby-Doo. It's things, it's simply the character design, all these things that go into making a shortcut in your brain for appreciating what's happening as if it's real. Like um, the silhouettes are all distinct, the way they walk, the way they're the simple facial expressions that communicate a lot more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all of these tricks are really what I, I, I started to appreciate learning from, from what they were doing. And also from the animators, little things, Warner Brothers animation and our animation director there, Mac Whiting, really explained it to me. You could have someone just doing a reaction shot, just listening to the people speak. And if you just have them blink at the right time or the right times, it communicates so much. Mm. Just the timing of the blink or a little thing, eyebrows arching. And a lot of it is, is tiny expressions at the right time. And a lot of that, the result of that was me not realizing how well the animation was going to work until it came in. So there are a lot of jokes that in the animatic and like, ah, this isn't working. But then suddenly you see it in real time. It's like, oh, these are great comedic animated actors. Obviously the voice actors are terrific and have been doing it for a long time. Some of them, like Frank Welker has been doing it since day one. Yeah, He started doing Scooby-Doo when I believe he was 19. He started doing Fred, the voice of Fred. Now he also does the voice of Scooby. So there's also something to the familiarity of these voices that you just lock into. You have the legacy of everything you know about these characters from 52 years built in to when you hear their voice. Mm. So you're not meeting these people for the first time. And I had the, uh, the luxury of 52 years of these characters being developed that I could just step right into and, and build on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Stern is with me now on the LCJ Q&A podcast. Scooby-Doo, where are you now? It not only premieres this Friday at 8 o'clock on the CW, it's going to re-air on Thanksgiving night as well at 8 p.m., which I think is great. Um, This could have gone to a streaming service. This could have gone straight to HBO Max. But the fact that it's on the CW, I think it's great. I've always loved network primetime specials. What does that mean to you that, hey, this is on the network? This, This really... This really means something big that it's on the network. Well, I mean, to me as a viewer, they're all the same. And I think that is for everyone now. Personally, watching Scooby-Doo episodes, you have to watch on HBO Max so much for the most part. And you can find a lot of those and the movies, the the old series there. So... HBO Max is still a good place to watch Scooby-Doo, but there is, you're right, there is this kind of network special kind of excitement. I remember as a kid, when the networks, when there was a special and there would be a little thing at the beginning, it's like, hey, special, somehow that made it like really exciting, really a big deal, even though I think it just meant they didn't have any new programming that night. (laughs) CW, this is a different thing. CW has a specials kind of programming mandate Um, in terms of the execution for me. And this is the case for any of the shows we make here at abominable pictures, you know, the difference between Netflix uh, network and non-network is commercial breaks and sometimes a more stringent clearance process because if there's things that are advertiser based, then, well, you can't show uh, things exactly the same way you would on a streamer, but Working to uh, commercial breaks also has its advantage because you have to create little cliffhangers to go into commercial. And so that's just part of the format that you can have fun with. Sometimes you create a cliffhanger and you pay it off immediately when you come back in. Right. right. Um, but that's part of the mystery format that was always built into Scooby-Doo from the beginning. So that, that just made it a very natural fit. 
Yeah, that's true. You have a mystery element to this as well. And I, I happened to, when I watched this through the screener the CW sent, there were no commercial breaks in there. It went from one to the other. But I love how you did the cliffhangers. And as I mentioned off the top, there are several bold wow moments, especially for Scooby-Doo fans, not just learning the information. But there is a moment in this when the characters bring up Scrappy-Doo. And I just went, whoa was that a <laughs> was that a risk did you need approval to to say what you say about scrappy doo well i certainly needed approval and i think they actually bad talked scrappy doo a little bit more in the first draft of the script and that got um noted out but there is enough consensus amongst the many people that i was working with that scrappy doo is not a high point of the Scooby-Doo franchise that I think there's a lot of comfort level in making Scrappy-Doo the butt of the butt of jokes. But if you watch the, the Scrappy-Doo episodes, you know, he's not nice to Scooby. He's kind of a dick. Like there's a lot of things. If I feel you watch it, you feel protective of Scooby and the other characters. They're like, Scrappy doesn't belong here. Scrappy is, no, no, you stop bothering them. And little things like, why does Scrappy, he's a dog too. Why does he have such a, a, a more fluid way of speaking English than Scooby? It really undermined who, you know, Scooby. It suddenly made Scooby the, the dumb one of the partnership. So I don't like that. And Scrappy, obviously Scrappy has not become a permanent fixture in the Scooby universe. So right. I'm sure there are some Scrappy fans out there. But also every reunion special has its dramatic moment. So we had to find our dramatic moment. Yes, yes. It, it's quite a moment and interesting thinking about taking sides when it comes to animated characters on a show. And yes, you have some dramatic moments. You do a little uh, in memoriam bit in a way that I won't give away, mm -hmm. but you do that. Uh, and you also do, um, there are some surprise cameo appearances from others within the uh, animated world that I also won't sure. give away. But man, you do a lot with this. And, and that's why I think people are going to look at this and go, wow, this is not your traditional special, but this is so cool. And maybe this could spawn some other animated reunion specials. Who would you want to see next have a, an animated reunion special? Well, there's a few that I actually incorporated in cameos in this show that I would love to do more with. And as people who have known me know that I've talked about for years wanting to do stuff with. Um, so uh, you'll see the banana splits uh, have um, a, ca a cameo in here. For those who don't know the Banana Splits, they were short-lived live-action Hanna-Barbera series from the right. 70s. The Great Gazoo makes an appearance. Now, he was considered not really part of the, Fred, the Flintstone canon, right. but he is in, in the last season of the original Flintstones. He's a Martian. And, I mean, I've always wanted to do more with those. There are a lot of other Hanna-Barbera properties that are already basically spoken for that anyone who's ever watched TV would want to see more of obviously the Flintstones, but that's way out there. The Jetsons, people always are trying to do something with the Jetsons, Johnny quest. I'd love to do something too. That's I believe in development somewhere, but at least Johnny quest makes a cameo here. Mm. There are a bunch of DC characters too. And at the moment with in collaboration with Warner brothers animation, we're, developing some podcasts around some DC and Hanna-Barbera characters, Ooh. which 
like I said, it's developing. So who knows if those will ever see the light of day. But I am trying to find a way to bring some characters to life, at least in an audio way, because animation's hard and animation is expensive and time consuming. Mm. But the voices, we all recognize these voices. So maybe we'll be able to do something with, uh, with some of those. Those would be cool for the new generations of kids watching these characters and watch, going back and watching the old shows for the people who grew up with uh, the classic animated series to get the, the new take on them through these. And I think based on the success of this, and I think it'll do well with, with viewership and obviously the quality of it, I, I hope you have the opportunity to do more of these reunion specials and, and take some chances like you do here because you pulled this off very well, Jonathan. Well, thanks. I guess if there's one show I'd really like to see in the Hanna-Barbera universe, it would be the Laugh Olympics. Now, that's also, it's also early mid-70s, as so much great Hanna-Barbera stuff is, because that was the era of the Saturday morning animation block, mm-hmm. um, which people of my age grew up with. That's before you could watch any show anytime. Right. And the Laugh Olympics was hosted by Scooby-Doo, and it was an ongoing Olympics competition starring all of the Hanna-Barbera characters from all of their shows. There are rights issues and things being tied up. So there's many reasons I don't think that is technically possible right now. But I always love that show. And I always would love to see a way to bring that back in any format. Just networks used to have these kind of all-star events and specials and games. Battle of the Network Stars, yes. Exactly, Circus of the Stars, where they're they're basically self-promoting and bringing all of their TV stars together. And it was always so mind-blowing, like, oh my God, these are real people. So if you ask me what I'd like to see, it would be it would be one of those. Very cool, very cool. Scooby-Doo, where are you now? Premieres this Friday, October 29th at 8 p.m. on The CW, re-airs Thanksgiving night, which is Thursday, November 25th at 8 p.m. on The CW. Writer-director Jonathan Stern, thank you so much for being on the LCJ Q&A today. Congrats on this. Thank you. I also understand that it'll be on the CW.com. Don't quote me on that, although I guess that's what a podcast is. You were literally quoting me on that. Um, But I think that'll be the case. And then I'm sure there will be uh, pirated versions on YouTube for anyone who who doesn't like the CW. So, but who wouldn't? CW is a great channel. It Thank is. you so much for your your time this morning and for watching this show. Oh, you are welcome. Yes, the CW is a great channel also because it has the Critics' Choice Awards, and I'm a member of the Critics' Choice Association, and that'll be in January again. So that's that's fantastic. I'm Late Scammer Jackson. Thank you for listening to this episode of the LCJ Q and A podcast. Thank you.